Asia Tech Podcast. Voice of the Asian Tech Ecosystem. It's a $350 billion market globally, annually, and it's one that's fundamentally broken. So what can podcasts do to fix that problem? My name's Graham Brown. You're listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Today, we're talking about talent, or in other words, community, people. If you're in the business of recruiting, hiring, getting the best talent for your startup, if you're in the business of building a community, you may be an, an ecosystem builder, a community manager. It's all about talent at the end of the day. How do you get and how do you keep the best people? That is the challenge. And I want to talk about how podcasting can address that challenge in a way that maybe no other channel can. And I want to share some of the insights and the latest research and the report that I've just published this week, Podcasting for Community, Unlocking the $350 billion talent market. Now, that's a report you can get for free. If you want a copy of that report, the easiest way is to send me an email. So I'm Graham Brown. You can get me gb at pitch.sg. That's gb at pitch.sg. If you want a copy of the report, just say, give me a copy of the report, Graham. And tell me as well that you're listening to the Asia Tech Podcast because it always is good to know where these emails are coming from, not just sort of random emails out of the ether. So we're talking today about talent and how podcasts can help in the talent challenge. Increasingly challenge it is because talent is all about why I want to join your team. And that team could be your company and it could be your ecosystem or your platform. Why do I want to join them and not Facebook or Google? And often this is a challenge that is felt by some of the most successful companies in our sector, the platforms, the software companies, the ones who sort of hum quietly in the background doing a really good job of what they do, enabling businesses, or they could be the best co-working spaces. And their challenge is they aren't necessarily the sexiest brands out there. So how do you get the best people to join your startup or your hyper-growth or your scale-up when... If I went to Facebook, they have that sort of cool office with the slide and the ball pit and the free beer at the co-working space and so on. That's what you're competing with. And yet your business is probably as profitable, if not more profitable than they are. The problem fundamentally is that it's sort of a skewed problem that some of the the best startups have the biggest challenges attracting talent, whereas probably the more, the louder startups have the easier issue, which is like, you know, because they are the household brands, talent for them is a lot easier. And really, if you think about it, at the end of the day, this is probably one of the biggest costs to these startups, these scale-ups, whether they're, you know, a million or a billion dollars in revenue. Their biggest problem is the financial burden of hiring and acquiring talent. And that's a $350 billion industry, as I, I mentioned. So it's not cheap. It's not a small drop in the ocean. It is the ocean. And if you're a startup, for example, 
And I say a startup, and that could be AWS, for example. And these are multi-billion dollar industries in their, in their own right. Or you could be a platform like a zero, or you could be a co-working space like everybody apart from WeWork. Or you could be any kind of ecosystem like an accelerator or a venture builder. It's all about talent. And your challenge is you're building a community and a community at the end of the day is about people rather than free beer and yoga classes and, you know, the ball pits. And this is very expensive because people have a lot of choice today. And you can see how that is in recruitment. So this is what I wanted to cover in today's podcast is like give you some advice and some tips on how you can do that. And if you are only to listen to one thing, I want it to be this. That is that the traditional talent model is broken. Like I speak to a lot of startup founders and they may be the founders of one or two man startups. They could be the CEOs or the leaders of multi-billion dollar startups that employ thousands of people. And that's cool because the, the challenges are the same. The, what's broken in the model is the one-to-many attitude of traditional recruiters and that could be internal or external and this could apply not just to attracting talent for your your team as employees but also for example in your channel partnerships and so on and really that model the one-to-many doesn't work and people know that it doesn't work and if you were to speak to any of these leaders now when they talk to you, they know that the most effective recruitment acquisition, talent acquisition scenario isn't a traditional interview per se, or even like traditional talent acquisition in ecosystems, which is like going out and acquiring partners. It just doesn't work. They know the most effective way of doing this is the coffee conversation. So walk to the coffee machine and ask them, hey, how are you doing? And learn a bit about them. Having that sort of intimate, authentic chat. Now, talent chooses who they want to work for based not necessarily on the best pay scale, but on the kind of projects that they're going to be involved in. Real talent. And I mean, you know, the people who make a real difference to any organization that, you know, Nathan Mervold used to be the CTO of Microsoft, said the difference between an, a good programmer and a, an outstanding, so like the top 1% programmers, isn't a factor of two, three, or five times in terms of the impact on your business, but potentially a 1,000 to 10,000 times. So having the right talent on board isn't a case of paying more because the, the incremental impact in, increases, if I can say that, the incremental value increase from having good to outstanding is far bigger than any kind of pay increase. What those people seek out, those top 1%, they can command any kind of salary that they want. They can go to any particular startup. They can go to any organization, whether it's Facebook or LinkedIn or whoever it may be. What they seek out are the 100x projects. They want those big projects. They want to put a dent in the universe. That's what real talent wants. And the problem with the current model is one to many, is that I'm sitting here broadcasting to hundreds of people, and that is fine. But to get the conversation going, we have to sit and we have to talk, and I have to open up. I have to share insights into my world and what's broken and what doesn't work and where I made mistakes. And that doesn't work in a one to many model. That is 
okay when it's just me. That's fine. But like even in my organization, Pitch Media Asia, there are many storytellers, right? I'm not just the only one. And this is the many-to-many model that we as talent scouts, talent acquirers, talent retainers need to understand and employ. So think about it this way, that I have a LinkedIn profile and I have a LinkedIn company page, Pitch Media Asia, but no matter how much effort we put into the Pitch Media Asia LinkedIn company page, and this is the same for your company page as well, you will never get as much results or as many results or as good results as you will on your personal page. Your personal page is far more effective. So think about that. If you look at the Pitch Media Asia company page, even though there's like a thousand one hundred odd followers, that will never get more than 20 to 30 likes per post, even if it's a really good post. Yet on my personal, I can get thousands of likes in, you know, the those sort of real home run hits. I've had like 200,000 views on and on average now I'm getting sort of five to 10,000 views on each post. To get that on my company page is near impossible. It would take a lifetime to get to there. So what am I saying is that the traditional talent model for community is one to many, which is like, here's the company page broadcasting out to many people. And that is sort of traditional advertising, traditional PR, traditional recruitment. And it's how it's been for many, many years. But why that's broken is because it's missing a trick. It's broken because A, on the one hand, people are exposed to thousands of potential stimuli now. Just being aware of it or paying attention to something is no longer enough. You've got to have authenticity, which is the engagement, right? On one hand, you have all the potential stimuli out there. So, you know, I could, if I'm talent, go and work for thousands of different startups or thousands of different organizations. Why yours? And you're competing with them now. And that is tough, competing with the salaries of Facebook or Google or so on. And they have the household name. So A is supply and demand of basic information out there. And you're just one signal amongst the noise on the other side and this is where it gets really interesting and what i'll bring into pod bring it podcasting is and where you can find out more in the report is that in my organization pitch media asia i'm one of five potential storytellers so let's go back to that linkedin model let's compare my personal feed versus the company feed and what if there were five of me now that's interesting Because if there were five of the company channel, A, that's impossible because there's only one company, but also the ceiling on that is limited. It would be five times, you know, 20 to 30 likes, maybe 100 engagements per post on LinkedIn. And this could be the equivalent of having a LinkedIn company page with potentially five to 10,000 followers, which I think probably a lot of you know larger scale hyper growth startups have so what i'm saying is even if you had 10,000 followers on your linkedin page you would still only get maybe 20 to 100 likes engagements and not a lot in terms of comments either because people don't really engage company profiles unless it's hate and there's a lot of that out there as well Flip that on his head. What if you took just five of your people 
and empower them to tell their stories. This is where it gets gets interesting because now you have a many-to-many talent model. And it gets even more interesting because many companies have more than five people in their team. We're small. We're a small startup that's growing. We might be 50 by next year. But even if we're out of 50, we're still a very small company compared to many of the well-resourced scale-ups out there. And if you had 50 people telling stories, that's not just 50 times what your company page could do. That could be 500 times the PR reach or the recruitment reach of your company. And this is where it gets really exciting because look at the data and I'll share some data from the report. Just one piece of data that stands out. And that is this, that the most effective recruitment channel as identified by LinkedIn themselves is, guess what, for employee referral. Sorry, let me just say that again. I screw. <laughs> I'm, repeat, I'm reading the slide before I get there. I'm looking at the data. And it says, number one, most effective form of talent acquisition. Slide 29 in my report. 40, 48% of employees said that, oh, Graham, come on. All right, it's been a long day, folks. I'm at the end of it. It's Friday. I'm going to get this right. And just so you know, this isn't rehearsed or edited. This is actually live. This is how it is. And I know I've got a friend who said, how do you do that? How do you do 45 minutes without any mistakes? Well, there you go. Just let it be known that I do make a lot of mistakes. Maybe I just style them out very well. And this one, I'm just kind of trying to reverse out of the hole I've dug. All right, let's start again, Graham. So moving from one to many to many to many recruitment models, number one most effective form of talent acquisition is employee referral, as said by LinkedIn themselves in their own survey. They said 48% of um, the most successful hires came through employee referral. Think about that. Yet employers spend most of their money on one-to-many models. But what if, for example, that you empowered your people to tell the stories about their journeys and about their lives in your company such that they became recruitment channels for talent? And that could apply to recruiting for new employees, or it could be a those channel partners or tech partners that you want to have on board in your ecosystem. Think about that. The most effective tool you have for talent acquisition is your own people. Yet most companies out of habit or out of lack of imagination will spend money on recruitment agencies or traditional talent acquisition because they don't know the alternative. And I want to put out there that there is an alternative and it's called empowering your people to tell their story. And that will turn your organization into a mono, from a monolithic brand narrative to this pluralistic where everybody gets to tell their story. Just think about it in this context and I'll pick out a company that I feel will do very well at this. SAP has 96,000 employees. Put that into context, that's 96,000 potential storytellers. And the interesting thing about a brand like SAP, and this applies to many of the companies I've talked about today, is they have very high employee satisfaction scores. So who should be at the front line when it comes to recruiting new employees? A recruiter? A headhunter? No. What's authentic is their own people. Imagine if just 1%, 1% of 
SAP's employees started podcasting and telling their stories, they would crush it. They would crush recruitment globally. 960 recruiters who are authentic, who are real and engaging. Wow. They would absolutely kill their competition. And the reason they're not doing it now is because nobody has told them until today on this podcast that this is what is possible. Because until now, it's all been outsourced. Yet, I want to put it out to you that we look on Instagram now. And if you look on Instagram, and I will do whilst I'm talking to you on this podcast, and flick up the search button, I guarantee that what's going to pop up on that search page is a whole bunch of paid influencers. Paid influencers. Think about that. We are buying people's trust and attention in an era where you can no longer do that. You cannot buy trust and attention. You have to earn it. And the mo- the best way to earn it is to do it authentically, organically. And people buy from people, not brands. And that goes back to the point about that LinkedIn company profile People don't give an SH1T about your brand. I'm sorry, because they don't give an SH1T about my brand either, but they do care about me and you because you're a human being with a story and you're just one of 96,000 human beings with interesting stories within your ecosystem. Imagine if you just gave a megaphone to these people and said, hey, listen, you've got a really interesting story. Tell us about your first week here in the company and get them to share because each one of those people, if you look at Dunbar's number and go and look at Wikipedia, if you want to know what Dunbar's number is, it's the 150 and it's what they built Roman legions and the MacBook development team out of and 3M, all their innovation teams, 150 people. Everybody knows 150 people at least, and they know them authentically. You can have like 10,000 connections, but you'll only ever really know 150 of them. So everybody knows 150 people. So, 960 people, let's say 1% of SAP is 960. So if 960, and he's doing the maths, apologies, I'm a bit slow. I'm just going to do it here. So 960 people times 150 is what? You're probably, you've front run my mathematical capabilities here. So 900, so 1% of SAP telling stories, if 1% of SAP had a podcast, they would impact authentically, and this is really important, 144,000 people. That's just in one podcast episode, right? So if each one of those podcasts went out to 150 people in their network, because they will, because people will share their story, that's how it works, People want to talk about themselves. That's how human nature is. 144,000. Now, if you go back to the LinkedIn maths on this, and this is real freestyling, and feel free to pull me up on this back of envelope stuff, but I'm just trying to make a point rather than like give you the science, the, the precise mechanics of the science behind it. 144,000 people. Let's say SAP could reach 144,000 people organically, organically, authentically. It's a new, it's a, it's a passport too. Is that the word where you join two things together? Anyway, so 144,000. If you paid $50 per lead, which is about how it is on LinkedIn, that's like $7 million worth of PR or recruitment. So yeah, I mean, 
that's worth it for sure. So it, if you think about that math behind those numbers, behind the reason why an SAP or any organization should start podcasting, it also guides us in A, how they should podcast and B, what the purpose of that is. So the purpose we've talked about is talent. Unlock the human potential of your brand by giving them a voice. And we haven't even talked about how that impacts employee satisfaction. Because I bet if you gave the 960 people tools to tell their story in an authentic way, that would increase employee satisfaction, maybe a few points, but a few points across an organization of 96,000 is a lot. And I imagine one of the biggest costs, organizations, platforms, ecosystems, people who put talent in the number one position of their business. I imagine for them, retaining talent is the most expensive business within their four walls because keeping people happy, keeping them productive has a huge impact. And when people leave, not just one person leaves, but they sow the seeds of possibility and doubt in other people around them as well. And if you gave the tools for these employees to tell their story, well, that would impact not just new recruits, but also the people in there already, because now suddenly I'm important. And at the end of the day, people are driven by two psychological psychological factors. One, the need to belong and the one, the other, the need to be significant and how important that is to all of us in everything that we do. Those are our two sort of emotional, social emotional drivers and giving people the ability to tell their story is a great way of reinforcing that. So the reason why we're talking about this, there's two factors. A, why, you know, how we should do podcasts if you are thinking about it and B, uh, you know, the reason for doing it. We talked about B now. A is about how to do it. And I think what's happening is, is a lot of brands are looking at podcasting because I know because we help brands turn their ideas into podcasts and we'll help them on that journey. And I feel that a lot are yet sort of exploring this space because it's very new and they don't know the full capacity, potential of a podcast. And it's done very much in, you know, stylized, formulaic PR uh you know, PR terms and even like, you know, it's couched in this sort of like question and answer format. Yeah. I look at, for example, like what Gojek are doing with the Go Figure podcast. It's all, you know, they haven't probably consciously gone into it and saying this is about talent acquisition, but for them it is at the end of the day. And really they're doing their own POC internally. They're testing the idea and they're trying to work out what it means to them. They're doing a POC and, and from that will emerge this business case, which is actually the Go Figure podcast is going to do nothing for customers in the sense that it's going to find us new, you know, ride sharing customers because like people probably will listen to that, but it's going to be a drop in the ocean and it will probably do very little for them in terms of brand authority because you know, ride sharing is not about brand authority. It's not about having an idea and then trying to propagate that idea amongst a, a listener base. For them, it's about community because they have, to, you know, they have community in those two tracks. One is the uh, the employees and, and secondly is their, their partners, right? 
So those partners are tech partners, they're channel partners, it's the drivers as well. So for Gojek, if they were to humanize their brand with a podcast, think about what it could do for them. It will maybe not make a big difference for them in terms of the revenue side, but it will make a huge difference in terms of cost and profitability. And it may also make an impact on ancillary revenues because, you know, if, for example, I listened to the Go Figure podcast and I thought, actually, these are really good guys and, you know, um, I'm an app developer. I'm going to go and talk to them because they brought in their app ecosystem manager in last week and I'm going to pitch her like my app. And, you know, I want to get onto the, the Gojek platform and she's helped me understand what they're looking for and how to do that. And they, you know, they've humanized that process rather than making it some kind of faceless void where, you know, I'm a startup. If I get lost in that faceless void, that's the end of my business. I don't have six months of my time to be sort of poking around a large platform like Gojek, wondering where the door in is. I want to say, okay, well, you had your app ecosystem manager on last week. I'm just going to go straight to her. And she sounds all right. And I like what she said about you know, what her vision is for Gojek. I'm on board. Now I'm on board and I'm also a channel partner or a tech ecosystem partner. And I'm generating revenue for Gojek. Think about that. Think about the impact of that. You are now recruiting new channels and new revenue streams. It ain't going to make a big difference to the number of rides people take, but it's going to have a huge difference for your growth story because suddenly you're making it cheaper to acquire talent and you're also making it cheaper to retain talent and you're also generating revenue streams and points of difference between you and Grab or Uber. Now go back to Gojek as an example. Why would I work for Gojek and not Facebook or not even Grab? You imagine if I like in the context of what Nathan Mervod talked about, the CTO of Microsoft, which is imagine I was that rock star developer and I had developed some AI app and I'm now looking for a home. Do I go to Grab? Do I go to Gojek? Whoever I go to, I will have a phenomenal impact because I'll be the guy that turns it around. Maybe I'm like natural language processing on the app and I can help interpret for multi-languages across multiple regions. I know how to do that. Why would I work for Grab when I can work for Gojek? Because I listen to the Gojek CEO on the podcast or maybe the head of natural language projects talking about her projects. I want to work for that person. I'm going to choose the business, the project based on the people. And that is how talent make decisions. And if I'm listening to the Gojek podcast, yeah, I like these guys. I'm on board. That is how you recruit the top talent, not the bottom feeders or the chances who just go wherever they can get a job, but the people who make a difference. Why the hell am I going to work for any of these guys? Not just Gojek. They all pay the same salary. They're all trying to do the same thing. They all have the same business model. There's no moats left. I can easily become any of these companies with their resources. And that's the problem because resources are becoming increasingly cheap. Money, look what SoftBank is plowing into WeWork. It's endless. And these guys have access to money and people. 
on terms that years ago would have been impossible to conceive. Just in the sense of access to capital and access to talent. I mean, if you're a startup platform like Gojek in Indonesia, you're sitting in a market of 270 million people where 50% are under the age of 35. Think about that. They've got access to 130 million people under the age of 35. It's just incredible. Like the US is nowhere near those figures. And these are young, hungry, entrepreneurial people. Imagine how much talent they have get they can have access to. So these companies are not short of resources in any way, nor are they short of customers. So they are competing for something. And that competition, the last frontier of competition for these platforms is not their idea because that's a copy of somebody else's idea anyway. It's not access to resources because they're increasingly freely, freely, not they're not free, but widely available in open markets or knowledge. It's, you know, the, the talent is moving around. The knowledge is outsourceable. We can get this information anywhere and no shortage of customers. So the shortage really is talent, finding and retaining talent. And I'll put out to you this, that the next decade is all about talent. And that is how we will compete. Because everybody is going to be doing everything with everywhere, <laughs> everywhere. I didn't get that right. Everybody's doing everything everywhere. It'll be Alibaba, Meichuan, Gojek, Grab, AirAsia. They are platforms. And if you go and listen to many of my digital transformation podcasts, this is the rise of the market-focused platform who just says, look, I've got your billing details. I fixed a problem for you, so you have trust in me. What other problems do you have? Now, that problem could have started with, oh, you need a ride? Now it's, oh, you need laundry? You need to pay for your utilities? You want home delivery for your groceries? You want to watch a movie? Now, these companies lose all traditional form. That is digital transformation. And they end up competing with everybody about everything. That's what it is. That's the shape of the future competition model. And yet, so much of business is based around trying to maintain that competitive advantage using methods which are no longer effective, which is the one-to-many model. Because you cannot maintain relevance and relationships by broadcasting through a company channel to talent. What Gojek is starting the journey into and what you as a talent sourcer, acquirer, retainer, spotter need to do is not become the only one in your organization doing this. Because like we, you know, we talked about earlier, 48%, the most effective way of acquiring talent is giving a megaphone to every single one of your people, or not necessarily every single one, just 1% might be a start. If you're a platform with a thousand employees, what if you gave 1%? That's 10 people, the ability to tell stories in authentic ways. And yes, it's not necessarily going to be 100% 
what you think of all the time. But that is how people want it now. And that is how we need to kind of let control drop a little bit and let them make the magic happen. The way I see this, it's like music. Now, until now, the marketing model requiring talent, the PR model, or the brand authority model is all like playing one note on your keyboard, just constantly playing that note. And if you find that maybe you're not getting the results that you once were, because maybe it's getting harder to get people's attention, you just kind of hit that note a bit harder and just kind of like turn up the volume, right? It's just one note. But nobody listens to one note, right? A chord or a harmony is a group of notes that are different, but they make like a beautiful melody together, right? And a melody is like many, many different notes with different vibes and different feels. And your organization is like a melody. You have many, many different notes in there. And the fear that we have, and top of the hour, we talked about talent and empowering talent and empowering community. The fear that we have in all of this is letting go. And letting go really means letting, in some, the vernacular of lunatics running the asylum. Because that's how we thought of it in the old days, is that if you gave your people a voice, they would screw it up. You would have a PR cluster, F-U-C-K. That's how people were fearful of that model. So they had to control it and control their reputation, yet it doesn't work anymore. And what I'm saying is that, well, listen, you don't have to control it, but if you had a key, and the key really is like in music, like for example, if you're playing music in the key of C or key A minor or whatever key that you choose, there are certain notes that work and certain notes that don't work and they're off key. The key is your brand and you can give people guidance to say, okay, we're going to run this podcast now and we're going to get these people on board to create music within these podcasts, but using this key right? That's the guidance. That's not necessarily the template in the sense that they have to run a script or something has to be approved. You're giving them guidance because people know how to talk and they know how to talk authentically. And you can guide them and say, okay, right, we're going to have these themes, which is your key. And this is on point. So on key. And this is off key. So I don't want you talking about these things, but you can talk about anything about these, you know, and we want to talk about humanizing the brand, or we want to talk about digital transformation, or we want to talk about, you know, small business, or we want to talk about diversity. Let people talk. This is what people do every day, and they've been trained to do really, really, really well. So let's empower them to do that. Everybody has a voice, and they're not always the same. If you look at Let's take, for example, James Surowiecki. James Surowiecki wrote a book called Wisdom of the Crowds, and he basically tested the hypothesis of do teams make better decisions if they're more diverse? And there's a lot of research that's gone into it. And if you want to look at diverse environments, go to San Francisco. And there's a lot of diversity there. And that is historical. You had the Jews, you had the Irish, you had the Chinese, you had all those different immigrants and the Russians and the East Germans and whoever it may have been that came to San Francisco and built it over many, many, many years and made it what it is. People with different backgrounds. That is key to the software model. 
And James Sirowicki asked is that how do those people compete against sort of monoculture? So monoculture is like maybe what you find in the old school of maybe the old school tie of an investment bank or a traditional organization where everybody's the same and they may be all guys and they all be white and they might all went to the same school and the same age and all into rugby, for example. That now, in the, the context of making decisions, he tested those and he found that actually when it came to counting beans in a jar, and this was like, you know, you get in the country fair, you have those bean, you know, guess the number of beans in this jar and the winner who could never guess that using any kind of math apart from just guessing, you know, they won the prize. And he found that what was interesting was diverse teams. So those that had mixed backgrounds or whoever it may be in terms of like, you know, you categories performs consistently better than monocultures. And one of the reasons why monocultures did badly is because they have natural hierarchies and natural hierarchies kind of defer to each other. So for example, if you all went, you've all served in the army together or you went to all the same school together, that natural hierarchy defers maybe very subtly to the leader and then it comes down to one person to make a decision and often one person is incorrect whereas if people sat around and talked in the same way the same reason we have juries when it comes to you know open common law judicial systems is that we the idea is if you have 10 people of different backgrounds they're better at making a decision when there can really be no science in making that decision apart from just kind of like experience and counter argument so the reason why this works well in the domain of podcasting is that you can empower those different voices within your ecosystem, the different talent, and you can keep them on point with a key, which is your brand guidance, which is what we use with clients as well. It's that like, okay, let these people talk, allow them to talk, but just kind of give them a bit of guidance and they'll do a really good job at it in the same way. No, you allow your people to meet other people, right? You don't restrict that. So imagine if you could have all of those coffee conversations, but multiplied. And if you look at my report, I have the authenticity quadrant, which really you know plots out the potential uh, communication channels for an organization, which is on the one scale, you have one axis, sorry, scale. So what's scalable, what's not scalable. On the other axis, on the XY axis, you have authenticity, so low to high. So what is in the top right quadrant is what is scalable and authentic, and that's podcasts. If you flip that on the mirror, which is what's not scalable and what's authentic, it's the coffee conversation. So you and I can have a coffee conversation or a meeting, and it's highly authentic. We connect. You believe me. You trust me. You can see if I'm real. You can see if it's BS or not. That's a great place to sell. That's a great place to acquire talent, right? But the problem is with that is that I can only have so many meetings in a day and often it's centralized around the talent that's mobile and we're limited, right? But what if I can scale that? That's where podcasts come in. And that's why if I think you go back to Gojek or SAP, it's conversations at scale. And it's empowering your people to go out and be your marketing department, your recruiters and your best brand experience and the the number of this is that moving from the one to many to the many to many model is we have to stop chasing influencers we got to stop chasing influencers people stop buying influence now these influencers that you're paying for on linkedin or paying for on instagram it's no different from the days when people 
we're, we're doorstepped and you know where these fake actors would tell some guy in a lab coat a white lab coat that using your soap powder has made their families uh, you know whites even whiter than white you know these are fake everybody knew they were fake they were actors and it even said after time people put you know at the bottom the disclaimer these are actors these are not real people it's no different instagram influencers are the same they're just actors so we've got to stop employing actors and we've got to go back to what's authentic and real. And that's your own people. Your own influences are your own people. Your best fans, your, your most authentic stories come from within your own four walls. Whether that's your channel partners, your tech partners, or your employees. And that is how competition will be from 2020 onwards. That is the future shape of competition and only the most progressive brands understand that and they're now activating that internal influence and that's how i see it for the next 10 years that's where we're going folks so if you want to get on board then think about how you can empower your people to start podcasting not just the leadership but everybody if you're an airline it should be the baggage handlers or the flight attendants or your tech partners not just the ceo because the CEO is just one guy and one voice, one note. You can make a melody. It could be beautiful music, folks. You can do that. But you have to start by breaking down the walls that stop your talent telling their story. And if you're interested to find out about how you could use that to create community, ping me. I'm Graham Brown. You can catch me, GB pitch.sg if you want to learn more about podcasting for community i'll send you a copy of this report or you can hit me up on linkedin if you know where i am tell me that you listen to this podcast and tell me about your community building efforts if you just want a copy of the report then just hit me on linkedin as well under graham brown pitch media asia i would love to share a copy of this report with you and what i'm doing every week with asian tech podcast i'll be releasing a new report every week and then discussing it through the week if you have questions i'll take your questions and then at the weekend you can hear your questions being answered on this podcast about podcasting and digital transformation and asia hopefully you enjoyed this podcast if you did and you're listening to it on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you may be consuming it, please leave me a review, a five-star review, if you're feeling particularly um, good today and you had a good day and you enjoyed this podcast and you found it useful, then just let me know. I read every single review and I'd love to hear feedback. And if, if you think it's disgusting and it's a complete waste of your last 50 minutes of your life, then leave me a one-star review. Be happy to hear feedback. I'm big enough, old enough, and ugly enough to take feedback. So I love it. And, you know, you can hit me, gb at pitch.sg if you have any comments about this podcast or you're in the business of building community and you'd like to know how to get started, I'm here. I'll see you, speak to you guys in the next edition of Asia Tech Podcast. Hi, this is Graham Brown. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast powered by Pitch Media. Now, Asia Tech Podcast is voice of the Asian tech ecosystem. We regularly bring you updates from leading storytellers in Asia. If you want to get more, go to our SoundCloud channel. That is available at atp.show soundcloud. 
atp.show slash SoundCloud. Follow the link. You'll find our SoundCloud channel. And if you're a podcast fanatic, go and subscribe to us and follow us on SoundCloud. We'd love to hear your feedback on our latest episodes.